everyone, welcome back to the Live with Rachel podcast. I'm Rachel and today we're going to be continuing studying through the book of Romans. Specifically today we're going to be reading through Romans chapter 8 verses 1 to 4. So just to recap, we had just finished reading Romans chapter 7, which looks at the relationship between the Old Testament law and the reality of how sinful human beings are. Now I just wanted to quickly remind everyone listening that when I talk about the law or the Old Testament law or also known as the law of Moses, I'm talking about the commandments that were given by God, the Old Testament law, the biblical law, the law that's found in the first half of the Bible. I am not talking about um, modern day law at all. I am talking about biblical law. Glad to get that out of the way. Anyway, so Paul, the author of Romans, he is highlighting in this current chapter that those who have a personal relationship with Jesus have been released from any obligation to that law. And this is because those who trust in Jesus, they have a new life in in Christ. However, biblically, like in this cultural context, some people thought back then when they were reading this letter that Paul was teaching that we're free from the law because the law itself is evil, like it's sinful, it's wicked. But Paul is insisting that that's not what he's saying here at all. He's actually insisting that the law reveals our own sinfulness that's inside of us. He's saying that it's like the law is like holding up a mirror to ourselves and seeing the the depravity that's inside of us. And he's also saying that he personally learned that when he was being envious, it was because the law told him that envy was a sin. So if, if the, the law didn't exist, he wouldn't have known that envy is a sin. So with that being said, a lot of people back then, and I guess some people today even still believe that if we just follow the Ten Commandments or any of God's other laws, then they will be saved and they'll go to heaven and they're all well and good. But this is revealed to be legalism. That's what we talked about in the last episodes. And legalism isn't the way to be saved. Just following a list of things to do in order to be called a good person or in order to be saved or to go to heaven, like that's not how it is. Legalism isn't the way. And Paul is explaining the disconnect between having good intentions to do good and our very real sinful actions that we actually end up doing. And Paul is just about as frustrated as we are, which is why he ends by saying how thankful he is that God sent Jesus to save us, which again, that's that's the only way that we can be saved. We can only be saved by grace through faith in Jesus. In today's section, we're going to be starting Romans chapter 8, which is such a heartwarming chapter because this whole chapter is about the positives of having a relationship with Jesus. There's a lot of statements about the absolute security of those who have a relationship with Jesus, how those people are secure. And in verses 1 to 4, the ones that we're about to read, we're about to read the first statement. And in this statement, you'll notice that they're saying a lot, there's no condemnation, which condemnation just means disapproval, accusation, damnation, and so on for those who are in Christ. So before I get into it, I just want to explain again what in Christ means. And in Christ basically means those people who have a new identity in Christ. And they have a new identity because they have placed their faith in Jesus, meaning they've left their old ways behind them and they now fully embrace a new life with Jesus. They fully accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as payment for our own sin, meaning every evil thought, attitude, or action that we have committed or we will ever commit in the future, we understand that that's all been paid for. And We walk every single day going forward in Christ. So that's what in Christ means. It's replacing one nature for another. So let's get right into reading these verses. It's just a small section today. It's verses one to four, and I'm going to be reading it in the New Living Translation. So it says this. 
So now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. First of all, I just want to say what an amazing statement, what a wonderful assurance that this part of scripture has for us. Now, before I really get into it, I just want to read out 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 to 49, to get a bit of a context for what I'm about to say next. And this is what it says in the New Living Translation. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, but then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and the heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. So if you remember the story of Adam and Eve back in the book of Genesis, God created Adam from the dust of the earth. And after Adam and Eve sinned, God told them that they will have to work the earth for the rest of his life, which was going to be frustrating and difficult. And when he eventually dies, he will return back to the dust from which he was created. So you'll also see here that death was the final consequence of Adam's choice to sin. And the curse of death that came to Adam was passed down to all humans who have lived since. So death, physical death, is a consequence of sin. It's a result of the fall of humanity. And it was because of Adam that sin entered the world and all of us were condemned because of sin. So the reality is all people are sinners and will one day die and face judgment before God. There is no way around that. So in Adam, we are condemned. But the good news is that if we're in Jesus Christ instead of being in Adam, there is no condemnation. Just like how it says, it says, For those who trust in Jesus, even though we will face physical death, we will no longer need to be afraid of actual death because we will have the assurance of being in heaven for eternity. We'll be physically dead, but spiritually alive. And that, that truth should fuel the way that we live our lives now. You'll also notice that this verse doesn't say no mistakes or no failures or even no sins. And that's because Christians, I mean, every single one of us, not even Christians, we still fail. We still make mistakes and we still sin. You'll even see this all throughout the Bible. All the people in the Bible, they're not perfect. No one's perfect except for Jesus. You'll see in the Bible that Abraham, he lied about his wife actually being his sister You'll see David, he committed adultery and slept with another man's wife. And you'll even see one of Jesus' own disciples, Peter, he tried to kill a man with his sword. So people still fail, they still make mistakes. And to be sure, all of these people, I'm sure they've all suffered the consequences because of their sins. We get to see it played out in the Bible. So you should read about their stories. You'll also notice that they didn't suffer condemnation. So the Old Testament law condemns, but the believer, the one who trusts in Jesus, they have a new relationship to the law. And because of that new relationship, they can't be condemned. And we will be breaking this section down and it's it's got more statements, but Paul is talking about what the Christians like versus the law and how they interact with each other and how they now relate to each other. And you'll see that in these statements, they all add up together to have no, no criticizing, no condemnation and no disapproval. 
So verse two, I'm going to read it in the contemporary English version because it's just really straightforward. The Holy Spirit will give you life that comes from Christ Jesus and will set you free from sin and death. So if you read it in another translation, it might say the law of the spirit of life or the law of sin and death, which I don't think I've explained properly or in length, but the law of the Holy Spirit is the gospel or the good news of Jesus, which is the the message of receiving a new life through faith in Jesus and what he has done to save us. And the law of sin and death is the Old Testament law of God. Now, we've already covered, I think, how the law is actually holy and just and good, but because we can't keep up with God's law in our own strength, the result of trying to do so is only sin and death for those who are still under the law. And this death that it's referring to, it's talking about spiritual separation from God. Because of our sin nature and how we're naturally controlled by it initially, we are naturally against God's laws and his ways. So because of that, God's word only serves to sentence us to that death. Spiritual separation from God, that is essentially what hell is. When you deny God here on earth and then you end up dying, he's going to look at you and ask, well, you didn't want to have anything to do with me on earth. So like, why would you want anything to do with me in the afterlife? So that's what hell is eternal spiritual separation from God. And that is exactly why we need the gospel to save us from the consequences of sin under the law. And that's exactly what it's saying here. For those who are in Christ, we have been released from that law of sin and death. So I really hope that makes sense. So for the believer, the law actually doesn't have any jurisdiction over you now. You're free from it. Verse three says in the contemporary English version, the law of Moses cannot do this because our selfish desires make the law weak. But God set you free when he sent his own son to be like us sinners and to be a sacrifice for our sin. God used Christ's body to condemn sin. So the law can't condemn you because Jesus has already suffered that condemnation for you on the cross. He took your place. The Old Testament law isn't designed to save. It's only designed to condemn. But God sent Jesus to save us, and that's something that the law can't do. you got to take note that Jesus didn't come to us as an angel. He came to us as a man, and he didn't have the sinful flesh nature that we have because then that would have made him a sinner also. He actually came in the likeness of flesh as a man, and he took our sins on his body on the cross. Now, I don't know if you listening are familiar with the law of double jeopardy, but it basically means that a person can't be tried twice for the same crime. So in the same essence, since Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, past, present and future, the believer is in Christ and God will not condemn that believer. Verse four says in the contemporary English version, he did this so that we would do what the law commands by obeying the spirit instead of our own desires. So also take note that the law can't control you either. The believer lives a righteous life, meaning a law-abiding, honorable, ethical, upright life. Not in the power of the law, but actually in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament law doesn't have the power to make us good, virtuous, and holy. Like I've said before, it just holds up a mirror and reveals the sin that's in us and condemns that sin. But with the Holy Spirit living inside of the believer, the Spirit enables the believer to walk in obedience to God's will. Now, what does that even mean? Well, the Holy Spirit is God, and we know this because he possesses the same characteristics as God according to the Bible. The Holy Spirit is not some mystical force, but it's a being with a mind, emotion, and will. He's actually the third person of the Trinity, as the Bible says. As God, the Holy Spirit can function as the comforter and counselor that Jesus promised that he would be in the book of John. Now, if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, the field of study is pneumatology. I might have said that completely wrong, but it's spelt P-N-E-U. 
M-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y. Anyway, a walk in the Bible is often used as a metaphor for practical daily living because the Christian life is a journey and we're meant to walk it, meaning like we're going consistently forward, we're making forward progress. So because we have a new life in Jesus, we want to continually live that way day by day going forward. And we do that in the spirit with the Holy Spirit. He's indwelling inside of us. So this also means that we yield to his control. So instead of being controlled by our own body, our own sin nature, our own desires, which we've already said, those natures are in opposition to God's will. Instead, we follow the Holy Spirit's lead instead, and we allow the Holy Spirit to influence us. Now, I'm not talking about being possessed. Sometimes when you talk about being led by the Holy Spirit, we're talking about like witchcraft or demon possession, but that's not what I'm talking about at all. That's entirely different. Possession usually implies demon possession and the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. So he would never allow a demon to possess someone that he is indwelling because that's God's child. Like he's not going to let the enemy hurt him. And possession usually causes the person to do evil things or it causes physical issues or negative personality changes. So I'm not going to go into a lot more depth about that right now because that's not the topic of what we're talking about in today's episode. But those who walk in the spirit are united with him and produce fruit, meaning behaviors, thoughts, and feelings that the Holy Spirit produces. And this whole list of fruit, it's found in Galatians chapter 5. But essentially, those who walk in the Spirit, they walk in love, meaning that they live in love for God and for the people around them. They walk in joy, meaning they show happiness in what God has done, He is doing, and will do. They walk in peace, meaning their lives aren't defined by worry or anxiety. They walk in patience, meaning that they're known for having a very long fuse and they don't lose their temper very often. They walk in goodness, meaning that their actions reflect virtue and holiness. They walk in faithfulness, meaning that they are steadfast, unmoving, and relentlessly trust God and his word. They also walk in gentleness, meaning that their lives are characterized by humility, grace, and thankfulness to God. And lastly, they walk in self-control, meaning that they show moderation, constraint, and the ability to say no to the temptations that come up in life or to their flesh, what their body wants to do. So all in all, being guided by the Holy Spirit enables you to walk in obedience to God's will. The righteousness that God demands in his law is fulfilled in the believer through the Holy Spirit's power. In the Holy Spirit, the believer has life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. As we've covered in previous episodes, the legalist tries to obey God in their own strength and ends up failing to measure up to the righteousness that God's demand because they're trying to do it in their own strength, like I've said. The Holy Spirit-led Christian, as they yield to God, they experience the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in their life and they become more and more spiritually mature, meaning day by day they're becoming more and more like Jesus. And when people say like, oh, I want to be like Jesus, I want to be Christ-like, what they're saying is Jesus himself He set himself apart for God's purpose. So we're being sanctified because Jesus was, and that's what we're aspiring to do. And it's because of this fact that leads us into the second statement that that we enjoy as Christians, which we'll be covering in the next episode. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I think there is nothing more foundational to living in freedom than truly understanding your identity in Christ. And it's just because there are so many lies out there in the world today and culture trying to tell us who we are. It's just all smoke in mirrors and you'll see that it never really lasts. Like fads and trends, they come and go, but 
God's word has lasted for thousands and thousands of years. So you can rest easy remembering that trends, stereotypes, ideologies, they come and go, but God's word lasts forever. So I just wanted to encourage you today to learn to discern the world's and Satan's deceptive attempts to discourage you and replace them with God's truths about you so that you can start living each and every day assured that you are deeply loved, unconditionally accepted and masterfully made. So please go and read Romans 8 for yourselves today and I cannot wait for the next episode. I'll see you then. Bye everyone.